Whenever I visit France, I always see lots of top bottles for sale, but when I get back home, those same bottles can be much harder to find, if not impossible. That's why I use IdealWine.com. At IdealWine.com, I can buy wines directly from France for delivery directly to my home. They have new auctions every week, and the fixed price selection is equally awesome. Clos Rouchard, Chateau Reyes, and Ulysse Colon, as well as many more greats from all over France, are regularly available on the website. Best of all, it is simple and hassle-free to buy them. Ideal Wine handles all the customs and logistics hurdles for you and for me. Wines are ordered with a couple of clicks, and then they arrive. It is simple. Check out IdealWine.com for more information. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com to find what you'd like to be drinking. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. You eat it in the morning, you see it all night long in restaurants, and you do it at weddings. That's right, I'm talking about the toast. But where did this crazy custom come from? Well, 3,000 years ago in ancient Greece, people would raise their glasses up to the gods in a ceremonial offering before they consumed it themselves. But back in medieval times, you didn't want to get poisoned by the neighboring kingdom, so you'd pour a little of each of your wine into the other's chalice as a symbol of goodwill. When the threat was less imminent, the custom of touching glasses remained. But did you ever wonder where the name toast comes from? Well, in the 1600s, wine was pretty nasty, so people floated a piece of burnt toast in the bowl, which made it more palatable. Now, today we know that scientifically, the carbon on the burnt toast lightly filtered out some of the impurities, just like a charcoal stick would do today. Some people even flavored the toast if they were wealthy enough to have access to spices. But it was really terrible to be the host, because after that drinking bowl was passed around to everyone at the table, and while you're thinking about this, let me remind you about the dental hygiene in medieval times. So after this bowl goes around to everybody, it was the host's job to eat that gross piece of toast. I hope they all toasted to the host's health, because after eating that microbial rich piece of toast, he would need all the help that he can get. Now, floating food in your wine seems odd today, but this was not such a crazy thing thousands of years ago. In ancient Greece, a common wine garnish was grated cheese. Plato writes about this, and archaeologists frequently find little cheese grater necklaces in tombs that were thought to be part of drinking kits. That makes wine and cheese pairing at least a few thousand years old. But toasting is also intertwined with health. Toasting to one's health was an important thing for warriors who were constantly putting their health and well-being at risk. And perhaps the reason we still toast today is because warriors who conquered the ancient worlds spread this custom everywhere they went. Now specifically, I'm talking about Attila the Hun, who was famous for doing three rounds of toasts before consuming each course of a meal. You do the math. 10 courses, that's 30 toasts. Now the Norse in Northern Europe They took this a step farther, and they actually had drinking vessels made from the skulls of their fallen enemies. 
During their toasts, they'd be sure to remind each other that it was better to be healthy and alive than to be dead, like this inscription found on one such drinking skull. Better to hold the sparkling grape than nurse the earthworm's slimy brood. Now in Britain in 450 AD, Saxon Princess Rowena held up a glass to the British king and said, Lord King, was hail, which means Lord King be of health. Now over time, was hail turned into wassail, and soon people were wassailing all over Britain. Now in Shakespeare's time, things got really weird. In certain circles, it became customary to show love for a woman by making an incision on your arm and letting the blood fall into the wine and then drinking this mixture to the honor of the lady. Now, if I lived in Shakespeare's time, I'd be checking their arms to see how many scars they had. And you can see this in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice, where the Prince of Morocco states, I stabbed my arm to drink her health. The more fool I, the more fool I. Oh, Prince of Morocco, so gross. But customs only got weirder, and soon men were removing women's shoes, ladling up wine with them and drinking it from the shoe. But the New York Health Department uh, put a stop to this practice a few hundred years ago. Today, the oddities of toasting have settled down a bit, but just make sure to look the person in the eye when you clink glasses, because you know, seven years. It's not enough to make great wine. You also have to reach the consumer that appreciates that wine. And that's where Offset is an incredible asset. Offset is an independent brand design and commerce technology company that connects with wineries on a human level to help them connect with consumers on a human level. Offset is based in wine country and staffed by creative strategists and technologists who are superb at helping create and evolve wine brands through visual identity and package design, developing the look, feel, and tone of your web content, as well as building beautiful and effective websites powered by their proprietary e-commerce platform, Offset Commerce. That's why leaders like Frog Sleep, Grace Family Vineyards, and Rain Winery already rely on Offset. Reach out to the brilliant team at Offset at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T partners with an s.com offset is focused on the wine industry and can embrace the nuanced needs of your wine brand joe landron of the loire valley producer domain de louvetrier hello Hello. Thank you for being on the show. Yes. So you make wine in the Loire Valley. And right. your grandfather was the first in the family to purchase parcels there. And when did that happen? And what, what did he purchase at the time? Uh, yes, that's right. A long time ago, my grandfather decided to install it itself uh, in, uh, in, the, in the farm in, uh, at uh, La Foissière, on the earth of the vineyard. And uh, of course, uh, it was a little bit late in his, in his life. And he had uh, two sons, which was very interested in uh, the wine, which have learned, uh, uh, they have learned in, uh, uh, by correspondence. 
And uh, they work and developed uh, the vineyard. It was a small farm. Huh? You can imagine at this time, it was in 1945. So there were one cow, one horse, uh, sweet chicken. Uh, you can imagine what. And uh, my grandfather had some apple trees and some vines. And uh, both of these sons were very interested in the vines and uh, in the wine too. Uh, of course, they, they have worked uh, very early. Uh, my father, when he uh, understand that uh, he was uh, one son was interested to stay with him in the future, has decided to develop, to increase the surface and also to improve uh, really uh, the qualities of the vineyard and of the vine. And uh, as they were uh, also dynamic, um, the, my, my uncle and my uh, father, I create a group for uh, sell the wine, commercialize the wine with somebody who was, uh, at the time, it was uh, Louis Metero et Sévigny Rondard. Uh, it was uh, 40, 50 years ago. And they get a lot of success because of the effort uh, of uh, Louis Metero selling the wine, promote the wine, and uh, because also of the quality of uh, the wine growers. And uh, I arrived in the vineyard in 79. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was the beginning of uh, also a long story for me. <laughs> when you first got there at 79, uh, what did you tell your dad? I mean, what kind of discussions did you have about the winemaking? With my father? Yes, sir. Yes. In fact, uh, you know, when you come, you are very young. You are just... Uh, 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 you just finished your studies, and uh, <clears throat> in fact, uh, you you want to um, prove to yourself you are a man, and uh, you can do something new. You can carry a new method in the winemaking, and uh, we 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 can we can see that every time. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a big discussion with my father. And uh, I wanted to start to uh, convert the vineyard to organic. And uh, of course, you can imagine in 79, it wasn't so popular, organic wines. And my father, who was a pioneer, uh, one of the pioneers uh, in this generation to use chemistry uh, in, uh, in agriculture, did understand very well what I want, and I say it's a revolution what you can do. Uh, me, I have worked so hardly with the earth, uh, with the earth, with a, by my, myself with a fork. So uh, I cannot admit that, and uh, I, I am okay with the uh, new modern uh, uh, practices. And I say, yes, but Papa, uh, my aim is to produce uh, nice wines, respecting also the nature. Of course, it, uh, we have had some discussion, and uh, in fact, I decided to um, focus on uh, on the sales to, to to market the wine at the time. And uh, you can imagine why my father went uh, uh, to uh, retirement. I became the manager of the the small estate, family estate, and I decided to do to do what I. Uh, always sought before to convert the vineyard uh, to organic, uh, to decrease the yields, and uh, of course to try to to do nice wine. Of course, you you know what? Uh, you are always thinking that you do the better wine in the world, but in fact you have to uh, 
to measure, uh, we change the things, we can carry some new methods, but we don't have really the truth. And what what changed over the the years? Uh, when what was your first vintage where you actually made the wine? Uh, so of course, me uh, I have uh, I, I didn't convert the vineyard completely immediately uh, in uh, organic to organic. So my first vintage was seventy nine. 1979, it was a very nice vintage. I remember it was a nice weather and I was very lucky to do this vintage. Uh, it was quite conventional. In fact, uh, I understand that in a family, you know, uh, you have also to, to follow uh, first the experiment of, um, of the father to, to take, uh, uh, you say, uh, inspiration of that and to move progressively the things. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, <coughs> of course, at the moment, in, in the, those years, Muscadet was very popular wine, and uh, the commerce was maybe quite easy. And uh, it seems that uh, the quality of the wine was, uh, you know, the, the quality is subjective. The tasting is subjective. And the quality in the moment was to produce a dry white wine, uh lightly lightly aromatic but uh with a certain acidity in finish and not too more complex it was not a complex wine it it wasn't needed at the moment uh which was needed it was a style of wine very refreshing and uh of course uh, years after years we have seen that uh Muscadet, if it was uh, very popular in France at the moment, and uh, also in a small, uh, in a certain foreign countries like uh, uh, Great Britain and Belgium and uh, Germany, uh, he, he didn't find uh, at the moment a, a very big and hard uh, 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 competition with other dry white wine. So it was easy to to, to sell uh, a basic Muscadet. But time uh, year after year appeared some uh, all the grape varieties uh, completely different than the Melon de Bourgogne, which was uh, Sauvignon, Chardonnay. Chardonnay existed before, of course. Sauvignon also, Al Alsace wine also. But in fact, in fact, it's a taste of people who was changing, and they focus more on the aromatic uh, expression, aromatic profiles in the wine. Not the deepness, not the minority. It wasn't uh, the, those words didn't exist at the moment in the in the comments of testing. Uh, we we spoke uh, mostly about the flavor of the wine, the intensity, aromatic intensity. It was grapefruit. It was a uh, very freshness, and uh, with the frost in '91, we have had. Uh, a big increasing of prices, a big, uh, a, 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 a big. Uh, we, we lost a lot of the harvest, and the low harvest uh, said that we have lost a big part of the market. And when we went, we 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 wanted uh, to come back uh, on the market. It was quite difficult because uh, the the places was uh, was taken by foreign wine, very well done, also aromatic. Uh, it was, for example, uh, in France, it was mainly uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, 
the wine from south of France are the most competitive and uh, also in a, a full expansion. And uh, in the foreign countries, uh, mainly in uh, Great Britain, we, we have uh, seen the Chilean wine arrived. Uh, we have seen Australian wine arrived, which was normal. Uh, and uh, in fact, Muscadet was outside, out of order. And um, of course, you, you, you have these events which happen on the side. You have your own problems, family problems in your estate, but you have wines to sell and you have to compete with everybody. And uh, I decided at the moment uh, to, to sell to foreign countries mainly. And uh, selling to foreign countries also, I have discovered other wines. I have a chance with other wine growers. And in fact, uh, uh, the, um, it wasn't really fashion, but uh, organic wine progressively became to appear in a wine bar natural wine also and you know uh, you do your own reflection and I say I thought to uh, convert the vineyard in organic but uh, it's really time to do it now it's urgently and also this corresponding to my mind and uh, also we have the possibility to produce very quality wine organically if it wasn't the case 10-15 uh, years ago now it's real really possible so uh, I convert. I decided to convert the vineyard in ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. This all changing many things because the winemaking was not the same. The, we had we had to find a new organization in the vineyard, employ a few people more to work uh, to plow the vineyards, and uh, also um, do our first uh, our own trying in the winemaking. Because, you know, when you have a counselor, uh, enologist, conseil, uh, who comes and visit you and, visit you and uh, told you, hey, how are you? Uh, hi, Joe, the winemaking this year, how do you think uh, you will do? And uh, do you need some things? Do you need some yeast? Do you need, you know, it's like, a, like a, we say in France, uh, uh, like a pharmacian, I don't know the English. Uh, sure, like a pharmacist, yeah. Yeah. Comes in, like and uh, at the time, uh, it's not more services, it's also business. And uh, in fact, I say, you know, you're a very sympathetic man, but I don't need yeast. I don't need too much sulfate. I just want to do the wine what I want, uh, how I want. I, I want. And uh, I would like also to experience uh, something. So if you want, you can come and visit us after the winemaking and we try together what I do. And uh, actually, I, I want to, to do it myself. And it was a uh, few vintages like that. How long did it take to convert to organics for the estate? Like to get it to where you were happy with the conversion? Uh, so you have the rules. And uh, you have what you can do, what you want, what you can do, and the rules. Uh, in fact, <coughs> it asks for the rules, the regulation. Uh, European regulation didn't change nothing about uh, the, the time to, to convert. Uh, you have uh, five years to engage all the total surface of your estate uh, in an organic way. That means 
you can convert a part of the, your vineyard. You get also the conversion, the certification, sorry, for the part which is engaged three years later. So it's a fourth, generally the fourth vintage. You get certification. It's for organic, also for bi biodynamic. Uh, but you have five years to engage all the vineyard. So the, you can engage uh, the third or the, the 50 parts of the, your, your vineyard at a time. Uh, the fourth years, yeah, the fourth years when you get the certification for the first vintage, you have to engage the last part. I see. And how many people are certified organic in the Muscadet region today? How many? Yes, sir. So we have to distinguish uh, uh, organic and biodynamic. Uh, regarding organic, actually. I suppose uh, around uh, around 12, 12 to fourteen uh, estates converted or in conversion. Uh, only two estates uh, certified uh, certified in biodynamic. And you can imagine we are total uh, wine growers around a little bit more than six hundred people. So out of those six hundred. Producers, you're one of the two that's biodynamic uh, certificate. Right, right. And maybe so you you make all your wines from the melon, the Bourgogne grape. Is that true? Uh, not all the wine, but uh, I am, uh, as you know, I am situated in the heart of the vineyard. So historically, it's the place where was created uh, the appellation Muscadet Sèvremen at La Foissière. It was in 1926. Uh, recognized in uh, 1936. Uh, so we are in a very nice place to produce Muscadet and uh, all the play, all the parcels are uh, classified in Muscadet Sèvremen. So it's complicated, complicated uh, to uh, produce vin de table uh, or vin de pays in uh, one of those parcels. It's not impossible, but it's morally it's quite complicated. And um, I have 90% percent of my vineyard, which is uh, uh, producing, which produced uh, a muscadet, sevremen, but we have uh, several kind of soil which compose the vineyard, and we have so 10% percent of the uh, of the rest of the estate which uh, is made to produce sparkling wine, which get no appellation actually. Um, regarding the Muscadet, because we have different kinds of soil which compose the Muscadet, my aim was always to uh, affirm and to uh, uh, express the minority of soils in the wines. Because for me, it's a real truth. And uh, it's a truth uh, of AOC wine, of Appalachian wine. And uh, we have several soils. And I started to to separate uh, some parcels in the, in the vineyard uh, in 1982, 1982 uh, with Le Fief du Bray first. My father told me it's a nice parcels, it's a nice place, and it's always uh, it produced a nice wine. And uh, today I can say the same. Uh, I've seen it's the same. It's really a, a great terroir because 
It's a slope with a microclimate. It's very close to Sevres River, and it's a micro specific microclimate, sunny on the day, uh, foggy on the night, and uh, the grapes are always uh, healthy in this place. So it's easy to do wine there. And you know, a great terroir is certainly uh, a place when you can produce uh, the better balanced wine and. Uh, Yes, a better balanced wine with a nice potential of aging without doing not nothing, but just take care of the vineyard. And what are some of the other sites that you bottle individually? After that, I, I decided after that to, to share the vineyard in a few parts. Uh, Domaine Louvetry reach uh, actually uh, around 40 hectares. And... Uh, we can we can isolate it three kind of sorry really three different places. Uh, in ninety three, nineteen ninety three, I decided to isolate uh, parcels of greenstone, which call amphibolite. Uh, we call the cuvee amphibolite nature because it it's now organic and uh, it was uh, very natural wine. Um, this uh, kind of amphibolite has a specific story. It's co corresponding to, uh, 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 it's a sort of greenstone, amphibolite, uh, giving to the wine a very tender minerality, very intense minerality, and uh, so pure wine, so very fine wine, quite crystalline wine, that I decided to, uh, to separate these parcels. And uh, this soil is, is coming from the bottom of the whole ocean and he has the memory of the sea and makes the expression uh, of uh, saltiness and uh, the side uh, iodine. And uh, this wine specifically because he, it gets a, a low level of alcohol, low level of alcohol is between uh, 11 and 12. Uh, it matches perfectly with the oyster. And when you say Muscadet is, is uh, made to drink with oyster, that's right, but that's more right with the amphibolite soil. So we have to consider there is not only one Muscadet, there are few Muscadet. And in my own estate, we have other kind of soil like uh, sandstone soil, which are Herodian sediment. Deposit, uh, de deposed on uh, clay soil, which gives a body in the wine. And uh, this, uh, this soil uh, produces uh, wine uh, which can get a, a nice potential of aging. We can drink them for a few years, maybe four or five years. And uh, also the Fief du Bray, it's a specific place, uh, I, I tell you. Uh, the soil is composed of uh, orthogness and quartz. It's very, very silicious. And uh, the orthogness is a sort of metamorphic rocks which are coming from granite. And you have uh, the trace of granite in the wine too. And the quartz expression give a flinty, uh, flinty aromas, really uh, strictly flinty. And uh, with a so pure wine with a great uh, verticality. And I think this, this definition, this uh, minority in the wine, uh, uh, give to the wine a, a very long potential of aging because um, 
uh, we can get we can uh, keep the Fief du Bray for we can drink the Fief du Bray for 10 years. And I have a collection of 17 different vintage of the Fief du Bray in my own cellar. Sometimes we deal the wine to certain restaurants, uh, like to restaurant Noma in Copenhagen, which was the best restaurant in the world for three or four years, uh, and uh, also to gastronomic restaurants. So it's a little bit reserved for connoisseurs, uh, amateurs of wine, and uh, also for the high gastronomy wine who uh, can uh, make a special dish, you know, to... Uh, To matches with the wine, the the wines the wine improve the dish and the dish improves the wine, so there is a response between those two. It's a sort of harmony. And uh, I know you make a couple other wines too, but I wonder since you you brought up the question about aging, uh, whether you might talk to us a little bit about the vintages of the '90s and 2000s and what you think about them. What are the characteristics of 92, 93, 94, 95 as vintages that you witnessed. Uh, you want to, to say about the potential of aging or the, what, what we can uh, expect in, in, in those wines, the character of those wines? That would be great. Yeah, uh, it's quite difficult. I'm not a smaller, but I feel the wine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, Uh, a muscadet in the evolution, in this evolution, uh, can uh, can get some aromas of all wine, of course, but develops uh, mainly the side, uh, we say, um, of tertiaire aroma. That means it's the aromas. First, you have expression of uh, primary aromas which corresponding to the winemaking, to, uh, to the, the, the fruits, really. And after that, you have the secondary aromas, which are the beginning of the aging, uh, which generally we drink uh, 90% of the wines in this, uh, in this uh, uh, period. Uh, and uh, it's uh, the, the case for the flavored wine. And you have after that the tertiary aromas, uh, tertiaries aromas, sorry, uh, which uh, are issued from the terroir. So when it says the terroir, I want to, to, to say the soil and the minerality, of course. And uh, to do very old aging wine is not free, needs to, needs to, to, to plow the vineyard very well, to pick the grapes, uh, 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 ripe, enough ripe, not too much, just enough to get a balance between the acidity, the saltiness between the fruit. And it's why the expression of muscadet, on old muscadet, is if you are on a certain soil like um, uh, granite soil or tognes or quartz soil, it's mainly... Uh, um, Ex, uh, express it express mainly uh, flinty aromas and smoke aromas, um, and after that it could be also uh, combined with uh, some uh, dry fruits, could be nuts, uh, and also or, uh, the wine from a certain soil. Like uh, I'm thinking uh, um, about. Uh, 
uh, there are some Gnes and Mikashi soil. You have expression of herb. Uh, it's more vegetals, but uh, it's a, the, the good side of the vegetals. Huh? So it's a combination of herb, uh, chèvrefeuille, I don't know the term in English, chèvrefeuille. Um, uh, sometimes could be um, orange skin. And, uh, you know, so you have different combinations possible, possibly. And also in the texture, the wine appeared more, more fat. More, not more sweet. Uh, it, it could be sugared without any sugar, uh, but it's more fat. And uh, I think uh, it, it, it keeps always its finesse. And if the wine, the vintage is very, very old, you have, uh, because I, uh, I have, um, I, I have tested that, uh, you have expression of, um, uh, I don't know the term, uh, it's like uh, it's a bee, uh, like a honey, a honey. It's more than honey. It's a uh, waxy, wax. Maybe when you want to polish. Yeah, wax. Yeah, wax. Yeah. Yes, and this is a very uh, a great definition of uh, all the vintage in Muscadet. Yeah. And what what vintages in particular uh, have stood out for you as? notable for either the weather or for your own personal progression working with wine? What are vintages that you particularly remember? Um, I have a, uh, 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 an old vintage. Um, it's uh, 1993, uh, which I hold uh, always in, in my stock. 1993, the profile of this wine is completely flinty. And it, that's very strange because uh, this vintage wasn't a very warm vintage. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, not uh, neither one, neither a small vintage. So it was quite comfortable vintage. But uh, we have picked the grape at the time with my father uh, quite later. That means generally we pick the grapes in middle of September. Uh, it was by the end of September to pick the, those grapes. And you know, uh, the evolution could be uh, quicker in uh, one week. You, you get more, more concentration. And uh, the fact to, to, to do that, to, uh, to have did that, uh, we have had a specific combination on the acid or, uh, in the wine, the balance uh, between the acidity and the sugar which made that the wine have got a very big potential of aging. It was uh, quite stable during a moment, and now it's very flinty. And when you, it's, it's not usual, huh? uh, when you pour this wine, you need to carefully the wine. And uh, normally we do, we do that only for the great wines. When I say great wines, it's very uh, nice burgundy uh, and uh, older burgundies, white. And for Muscadet, it's not usual. So it seems that it was a great vintage. But uh, it's always the same thing. Uh, the wine grower has to understand the vintage uh, to, to, to manage uh, the best, the, the vintage. And another, um, another vintage which is very interesting is 2000. It's not because of the millionaire, but curiously, it's corresponding. <laughs> Maybe it's symbolic, I don't know. Uh, with a nice balance between the fruits 
minority and freshness. And that's strange because uh, many people is thinking that the Muscadet of uh, 13 years could be down, but not. In fact, not. And uh, it's nice also, I, I, I didn't drink this wine, I didn't consult this wine to accompany hosters, but uh, maybe to accompany uh, white, uh, white meat uh, and um, cooked fish, Uh, nice cooked fish with some uh, a spicy sauce, not too much spicy, but uh, uh, very very lovely, uh, lovely um, salt saltiness and uh, and spicy a balance between that. Um, and uh, we we can be very surprised with that. And for me, uh, old Muscadet, uh, old Muscadet. If we consider also the vintage 2007. Uh, we have got uh, in the maturity, I remember that, before pick the grapes, we have got um, a dry weather, which has made a special combination of uh, dry, uh, dry fruits, uh, a little bit passerillage, you know, on the, on, the, on the bunches. And when you pick the grapes, we, we have had a, a particular aromas. It appeared now a little bit uh, a smoke, uh, flinty, smoky. Uh, also with some um, uh, uh, orange skin or grapefruit skin, uh, combinated with some uh, spicy and uh, uh, exotic fruit, also with a big density and the acidity in the finish, which, uh, which give a clear and very precise definition with a high finesse. And I think when you feel this wine very deep like that, with a high persistence and, um, in, in the finesse, You are thinking, you are walking, uh, you are walking on a, on a, on a, uh, you say, on a wire. It's the same thing. So it's a nice balance in the wine. This is very magic. And uh, I think, I, I expect a few people uh, uh, could have the occasion of testing those old Muscadet. Uh, It, uh, it it just started to, to it's starting to appear on the market on the you know, American market with some uh, few estates uh, and uh, I think it's the beginning of a uh, new life for for Muscadet really really. When do you like to drink the different wines that you make the different bottlings? Which when would you drink each? At what time would you start to drink them? For the old vintages, uh, in fact, a great a great terroir can produce a wine. That, uh, that it could be drunk at any time. Uh, it's not new. Huh? But uh, people who like uh, all vintage, I think, uh, to get uh, the first effects for my own wine. Huh? For Le Fier du Bois, for example, it's uh, 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 so flinty, uh, fl flinty uh, minerality. Uh, it starts to be interesting uh, after three, four years. Very to, 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 to begin to, 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 to begin to feel this, this minerality, this new combination. Uh, after 10 years, it could be, it, it could start to decreasing a little bit. If it's a nice vintage, is why we, we don't keep uh, every vintage. If it's a really nice vintage, it could be a little bit more close and open a few years later. Does that happen often? Sometimes, yeah. Are there Sometimes. vintages where you really saw that happen and it maybe surprised you, where it went closed for a while and then it came back? 
Uh, at the beginning, it w I was surprised by that. Now I understand what happened. And uh, I know, um, I can say, uh, when you have some vintages with cold night on a, on a warm, uh, warm day, uh, it could be a, a good potential of a gene. You could get a, a, a good potential of a gene, sorry. And what's the melon uh, de Bourgogne grape like to handle? What's it like to grow? What is like? Uh, what are the characteristics of it in, in the vineyard? Uh, Melon de Bourgogne. He has uh, large leaves, uh, quite big uh, vigor, um, green bunches. Uh, I say quite small, but it's not really too small, um, but very compact uh, bunches. And uh, when you pick the grapes, sometimes you, you see some green grapes and you, you're thinking it's not ripe. In fact, uh, it's uh, enough concentrated in sugar. And uh, the color, the, the, the golden color we, we like and, uh, and uh, we, we like to see eh, when we can pick the grapes, eh, generally has get a uh, richness in sugar uh, uh, around uh, 180, uh, 180 or 190 grams per liter. So that's largely enough to do a muscadet. And uh, when you have uh, some bunches which appear with some uh, um, uh, violet uh, pink on it, like a muscat, uh, you are of... Uh, you have la largely over 200 grams of sugar per, per liter, naturally. And uh, Muscadet, as another name, we say sometimes uh, Melon Musquet. And Melon Musquet is not a rat musquet. Huh? It's not, uh, it's, Melon Musquet is uh, because it's, uh, it seems uh, like a muscat. A musquet or muscaté. And uh, this uh, pink, violet pink, and a uh, uh, violet pink, and a uh, point on the on the bunches, and uh, mixed with a, a yellow golden color, uh, is corresponding also to the the, the bunches of muscat. Mm. You, you talked a little bit about the the grape and the vintage, but what do you do in the winery? I noticed that you often use cement uh, to for the, in the couve. Uh, how do you usually handle the grapes from the different parcels? What happens when they get to the winery door? Yeah. Um, first, I make some students in uh, enology uh, at, the, at the school, spe specific school. We learn many things. Thank you for my professor. And uh, when you experiment your first vintages, you, of course, you do the wines as you have learned. And also, when you have the chance, uh, when you are lucky, you have your father working with you, uh, he can teach you also because he is experiment. And um, so we share, we share many things about that. Uh, even if uh, sometimes we are not agreed, but uh, it's also very interesting to exchange. Um, and... In fact, more you do, more, more you advance in your professional life, more you, you feel that the wine is not, has not to be made in a winery, but it's better to make it in a, to, to start to make it in the vineyard. 
that means when you are working in your vineyard, you are pruning the vines. You have to imagine the yield, level of yield, concentration, ripeness, and uh, maturation. So, And uh, you have to imagine uh, which wine you want to do. Will it, uh, will it a basic wine or will it a cru? Or what do we want to do? Well, are you thinking to aging this wine in oak barrels or in stainless steel? Uh, stainless vat. Uh, you, you, you have to, to think globally what is your philosophy and how you can apply in the best way uh, in a, from, from, the, from the vineyard. And uh, you plow the vineyard uh if you plow the vineyard you put some oxygen in the vineyard you you want the the wine is the soil is alive if the soil is alive uh you can get more minerality in your wines in the future so you do it conscientiously also and uh, you are thinking in minerality some soils must must to be plow energetically some others not not too much and uh, you have to consider all that. When you pick the grapes, you have to take care uh, of the balance uh, of sugar, acidity, of course. You have to consider the pH. I I'm so sorry, it's a little bit technique. Uh, you have to consider uh, also the, um, the yield. If you have a lot of yield, uh, you have maybe to wait a little bit later to pick the grapes. Uh, if you have too much acidity, you have to wait, which is the nature of the acidity. It's also a key for the, the aging uh, for to, to do all vintages. And you have to focus on this uh, when you are outside the cellar. And when the grapes are arriving in the cellar, for me, it's too late to add some minerate in the wine. It's too late to concentrate. It's not too late because you are, we have some techniques to concentrate the, the, the juice. But um, if it's made naturally, I think it's always better. It's more harmonious. And uh, when I started, in, uh, of course, in, my, uh, in the winemaking, I didn't thought about all that. I was a young, uh, young guy who wanted to do the revolution with my uh, ideas, and uh, uh, but my desires wasn't applied completely. And uh, in fact, I, I did some conventional wine before. I'm not very proud of that now, but it was necessary to do that because you learn something with doing that, and it's. Uh, to compare this wine, the, the wine was I made, I, I have made, to uh, all the wine growers who are a little bit in advance or who worked differently as me. Um, and when we, 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 we compared the wine, it was to discuss and to, to do what they have done and uh, to understand why they have done that and when they, why they, they have chosen this way. And uh, in fact, as I wanted always to produce organic wine, very quickly I decided to stop to, uh, to use yeast, uh, commercial yeast in the, in, the, in the cellar and uh, to use the natural yeast. Why to spend money? Uh, buying a uh, commercial list, uh, which are uh, some clone, if uh, you have enough in your vineyard. 
what is important is to measure how many yeasts you have in your vineyard. Do you have enough or not? Uh, do you have enough food to feed the, those yeasts? So what is the balance in the wine, in the juice, sorry, in the juice before fermenting? You have to focus on that. And at any time, what I, I did in the, the vineyard, uh, add a, 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 a source in the vineyard. That means uh, if eventually, uh, I, I, never, I never made that, but uh, if eventually you have to acid, to, to add some acid in the wine. Why you acid in the wine? Maybe you have picked the grapes too late. Maybe you have a, a, a vineyard, a, a vines, which is not so healthy. It, it gets some stress and uh, you have some elements which are uh, blocked in the leaves. So you have a, a reason at any, any, any problems you have in that cellar. And I decided it was in, uh, yes, when, when, when I started in organic, so I decided to, to, uh, to change my way of winemaking, wine sorry. And uh, in fact, uh, the analogies today, <laughs> actually, they call me and uh, they are very, very sympathetic people. I have nothing against them. Huh? It's okay. Huh? Uh, um, they ask for me, what do you need? We have some new products for organic uh, winemaking. We have some new pro products, products for uh, um, uh, to keep, to, for preserve the wine. Uh, what do you need to use to? We have specific uh, yeast for organic wine. I say, what is that? I, I, I don't need that. I have to find my solution because I produce um, uh, appellation wine. I have to find the source of uh, all the elements in my own vineyard. If I, I got a problem in the winemaking, it's because I have a problem in my vineyard. So I say, no, thank you. I, I don't need that. One thing we used, we need to use, uh, we keep, and uh, maybe I will keep uh, all, all, uh, all time, is the sulfite. And how do you feel about that? There is many things, many ways. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit sure about that. Uh, I'm agree it was uh, fantastic to produce natural wine if it's, if it's good and if, it's, uh, if it gives very pleasure to drink it that's perfect the perfect wine it's like a fruit juice just fermented that's okay but i consider i saw uh, i have seen many many times in, uh, in the commerce some uh, natural wine quite difficult we drink uh, really also maybe more uh, bad wines that are covered with sulfite i agree um, you think there's uh, more conventional wines that are bad than natural wines that are bad, percentage-wise. Actually, yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. Uh, you, you you can find many ideas against natural wine, but uh, they are uh, less present in the market than uh, conventional bad wines. Actually, sure. Uh, and it's uh, I think the 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 element that mean uh, the arrival of uh, natural wine. Uh, was in fact um, uh, favorized by the existence of bad conventional wine on a, by industrial wine. Is why why we have natural wine? Why people is drinking natural wine? Because we have too much bad wines. 
in the market, conventional bad wine is the market. So my idea about uh, natural wine is um, I produce one cuvee of natural wine. Uh, natural wine must be considered um, as, uh, how you say, an ex not an experiment, but uh, maybe an experiment. Uh, and as to uh, help us as to prove to wine growers that it's possible to decrease the dosage of sulfites in the vines. So it's the first, uh, it is the first thing. I think uh, every wine grower has to, uh, to try to do one small cuvee of natural wine, naturally. He will learn certainly more things doing that that he can learn in school. And it's not on the same uh, level of co consideration when I say that. That means we need to learn many things in school, chemistry, chemistry analogy, etc. It's okay to know, to, to, do, to know that is very important. Is Maybe it's because we have a better knowledge, uh, knowledge about analogy that we can do natural wine. Is is very it's, maybe it's more technique than to do conventional wine because we take some risk and we have to uh, focus and to, we have to pay many attention in the winemaking in the cleaning uh, we have to be very clean in the winemaking and um, after that people uh, will change this way of uh, produce wine uh, because they, they low sulfite, so the, the level of sulfite. So the wine could become more, more drinkable. And I think maybe it could be uh, a, 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 not a new way, but uh, could be a new, um, a, um, uh, a new opportunities, a new alternative. A new alternative uh, for pe people drink uh, easily the, the wine is uh, to have a low dosage of sulfate, but not to uh, not to stop to use it. In certain cases, in certain millisieme, it's possible. Of course, uh, I drink natural wine. I like natural wine when the wine is correct. When I, when I I I, I, uh, I get. Uh, when I get many, uh, a lot of pleasure to drink wine because it's more fruity. Of course, it's expression of fruit. But uh, sometimes you, 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 you can find a bad bottle and it's not, uh, the pleasure is broken. You understand what I mean? I 100% do. Mm. Um, so I wonder if we could talk for a few moments about the market for Muscadet today. You said that in the 70s and in some parts of the 80s, there was a strong market for a certain kind of Muscadet. Uh, what is the market for Muscadet to now? now uh, these days both in France and globally uh, Muscadet is always existing and is always present on the market um, firstly some things are, are changing in the production at the level of the production uh, you can see on all the agriculture this is general uh, a concentration and increasing of the size of the farms it's normal uh, of the industry also and uh, these are changing the the commercialization the, 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 the sales of Muscadet Muscadet was uh, sold 
10-15 years ago was sold at 80% locally in both vine uh, and um, bottled and conditioned by a big winery, uh, wine merchant, and uh, who deals the wine on the countries. In France, of course, but on the countries, uh, they are always existing. The, uh, from from the beginning, they, they have uh, there are some wine growers who uh, bottle themselves, who sell the wine themselves, who promote the wine themselves. I am one, one of them, and um, the, the 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 part of those uh, wine growers was quite small. It was less uh, around twenty percent only. Of the production, you can imagine you have uh, around uh, you had uh, around eight hundred thousand hectoliters. Only twenty percent was sold by wine growers. But the wine growers was dynamic, and on the market because they have no choice. They have uh, they have to, to 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 win some money to invest to develop, and. Um, those uh, wine growers which were dynamic as develops are increasing their surface and in the same time so uh, in the last uh, seven years in the same time since the last seven years we have uh, you know it's a phenomenon of generation we have uh, most of the the owner of the big wineries of the wine merchant as going to retirement those uh, those uh, companies have has been sold Two biggest company, and you can imagine. And now the situation in Muscadet, we have two, the two biggest company in France, wine, and um, they they bought not eighty percent of the vineyard now, or the pro production now, but eighteen around uh, sixty to seventy percent. And uh, the wine growers, I decided to develop themselves. Uh, they uh, sell themselves, and uh, you you see uh, is arriving uh, younger people, new generation, more dynamic, speaking English, oh, English uh, speaking a foreign uh, language. Uh, I'd made also enology stu student, but also uh, studies, but also uh, uh, commercial studies. So now they are more dynamic, and actually, uh, there they are around. Maybe forty percent of the vineyard is sold by the wine the wineries the the, the wine growers. So uh, in the same times we have lost a uh, big part of the market in the foreign countries. Now we want to expand uh, 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 you know, for for the future, and uh, <coughs> also there is a domestic market in in France. And uh, this domestic market have seen the same thing, concentration of the distribution and less opportunities for the wine growers to sell it to, to, to this uh, section, uh, mainly in supermarket. So uh, the wine growers now are going to promote their wine in foreign countries. And I see uh, there is a development of sale. The interest uh, of foreign people for Muscadet is always increasing. Uh, it decreased uh, during 10 years, but now it's uh, increasing again. And uh, actually, uh, you have some countries like Japan, like in Asia. China, not too much because the taste of the wine is not corresponding actually to the market. They prefer red wine. 
and uh, we have Japan, Japan market, uh, a UK market also, all the Europe ma European market. So northern countries in Scandinavian are developing, uh, find new interest in Muscadet and also uh, America state, uh, the United States. And I think um, in the United States, something new is uh, people who um, Uh, with uh, attentive to the, the progression of quality and also uh, um, the, the, the level of the price, which, we, which is always for better quality than 10 years ago, the, price is the pricing is quite the same. That means we are always in the, uh, the heart of the market and we can sell very, quite very well. Just the problem is uh, actually, Uh, we don't have enough wine growers, young wine growers, who are present in the market. But the offer is coming. And your son is, is moving into winemaking. My son, my son is another story. He, he, he is also a part of this new generation. He's dynamic. Want to, he, he represents this generation who wants to have uh, more healthy food, more healthy wines, of course, And to promote it in a, how you say, a responsible market. You know what I mean? That means uh, we don't want to, they said, we don't want to produce uh, unneeded wine. We want to produce quality wine. We want to get pressure in it, to drink it. We want to privilege traditional market but people who have knowledge and people who want to, uh, to learn wine well, who are interested to drink it uh, by the quality. And uh, the, they are not very, uh, they are not uh, a lot of people and the new generation maybe will, will see uh, less people than we, have seen, we, we were on self uh, in our generation that means uh, you have uh, maybe 10% of, uh, of to, to compare the generation 10% of the new generation which corresponding to our generation so uh, there are less people really less people but more knowledge people more conscientious people and maybe uh, more dynamic people Joel Andron thank you very much for being here today yes wonderful to have you on the show it was a pleasure All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.